Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. No, it's my teeth. I know. You think it smells weird? Sorry. Okay, a series of unfortunate events. Book the fourth. The Miserable Mill. Chapter 11. As we've discussed previously, a book's first sentence can often tell you the sort of story the book contains. This book, you will remember, began with the sentence... The Baudelaire orphans looked out the grimy windows of a train and gazed at the gloomy blackness of the finite forest, wondering if their lives would ever get any better. And the story has certainly been wretched and hopeless as the first sentence promised that it would be. I only bring this up now so you can understand the feeling of dread that Violet and Sunny Baudelaire experienced as they opened a book in the library of the Lucky Smells Lumber Mill. The two Baudelaire sisters already had a feeling of dread, of course. Part of the dread came from how cruelly unfairly Sir had behaved. Another part of the dread came from how Charles, kind as he was, seemed unable to help them. Yet, Another part of the dread came from the fact that Klaus had been hypnotized once more. And, of course, the lion's share of the dread. The phrase, the lion's share, here means the biggest part, and has nothing to do with lions or sharing, came from the fact that Count Olaf, or, as he insisted on calling himself, Shirley, was back in the Baudelaire's lives and causing them so much misery there was an extra helping of dread that Violet and Sunny felt when they began advanced ocular science by Dr. Georgina Orwell. The first sentence was this tone. This tone will endeavor to scrutinize in squashy, inclusive breadth, B-R-E-A-D-T-H. That's not a word I don't know. Maybe it is. Oh, I guess I need to go back to school again. The epistemology of ophthalmology contrived appraisals of ocular systems and the subsequent and requisite exertion imperative for expungination of injuries, injurious states. As Violet read it out loud to her sister, both children felt the dread that comes when you begin a very boring, dreadful book. Oh, dear, Violet said, wondering what the word tome meant. This is a very difficult book. Garge, Sunny said, wondering what in the world endeavor meant. If only we had a dictionary, Violet said gloomily. Then we might be able to figure out what this sentence means. Yeesh, Sunny pointed out, which meant something like, and if only Klaus weren't hypnotized, then he could tell us what this sentence means. Violet and Sunny sighed and thought of their poor, hypnotized brother. 
Klaus seemed so different from the brother that they knew that it was almost as if Count Olaf had already been, already succeeded with his disasterly scheme and destroyed one of the Baudelaire orphans. Klaus usually looked interested in the world around him, and now he had a blank expression on his face. His eyes were usually all squinty from reading, and now they were wide as if he had been watching TV instead. He was usually alert and full of interesting things to say, and now he was forgetful and almost completely silent. Who knows if Klaus could ever define the words for us, Violet asked. He said he felt like part of his brain had been wiped clean. Maybe he doesn't know all those words when he's hypnotized. I don't think I th- I've... I don't think I've heard him define anything since the incident with Phil when he explained when he explained the word inordinate. You might as well get some rest, Sonny. I will wait up. I'll wake you up if I read anything useful. Sonny crawled up on the table and lie down next to Advanced Ocular Science, which was almost as big as she was. Violet gazed over at her sister for a moment and then turned around, turned her attention to the book. Violet liked to read, of course, but at heart she was an inventor, not a researcher. She simply did not have Klaus's amazing reading skills. Violet stared at Dr. Orwell's first sentence again and just saw the mess of difficult words. She knew that if Klaus were in the library and he was not hypnotized, he would see a way to help them out in their situation. Violet began to imagine how her brother would go about reading advanced ocular science and tried to copy his methods. First, she turned the back page of the book back before even the first page to the table of contents, which I'm sure you know is a list of titles and page numbers in each chapter of the book. (sighs) Violet had paid scarcely any attention to it when she first opened the book, She realized that Klaus would probably examine the table of contents first so he could see which chapters of the book might be most helpful. Quickly, quickly, she scanned the table of contents. Chapter 1, Introduction. Chapter 2, Basic Ophthalmology. Chapter 3, Nearsightedness and Farsightedness. Chapter 4, Blindness. Chapter 5, Itchy Eyelashes. Chapter 6, Damaged pupils. Chapter 7. Blinking problems. Chapter 8. Winking problems. Chapter 9. Surgical practices. Chapter 10. Glasses, monocles, and contact lenses. Chapter 11. Sunglasses. Chapter 12. Hypnosis and mind control. What? Did you hear that, Peyton? Mm -hmm. Chapter 13. Which eye color is the best one? What? That's okay. That's strange. Immediately, of course, Violet saw the chapter 12 would be the most helpful. I and was glad that she thought of looking at the table of contents instead of reading 927 pages until she found something helpful. Grateful that she could skip to the daunting first page. The word daunting here (sighs) means full of incredibly difficult words. She flipped through advanced ocular science until she reached hypnotist and mind control. The phrase stylistic consistency is used to describe the books that are similar from start to finish. For instance, 
The book that you're reading right now has a stylistic consistency because it began in a miserable way and it will continue the way until the last page. I'm sorry to say that Violet realized as she began her new chapter that Dr. Orwell's book had a stylistic consistency as well. The first sentence of hypnosis and mind control was hypnosis is an oh my gosh, effing, oh my gosh, I don't even know what that word is, efficacious, yet precarious methodology and should be assayed by neophytes. And it was every bit as difficult and as boring as the first sentence of the whole book. Violet reread the same sentence and then reread it again and let her heart begin to let her heart begin to sink. How in the world did Klaus do it? When in, when the three children lived in the Baudelaire home, there was a huge dictionary in their parents' library, and Klaus would often use it to help him with difficult books. But how did Klaus read difficult books when there was no dictionaries to be found? It was a puzzle, and Violet knew that a puzzle it was a puzzle she had to solve quickly. She turned her attention back to the back of the book, and she reread the sentence one more time. Oh, back to the book, not back to the back of the book. Sorry, guys. But this time, she simply skipped the words and she did, that she did not know. It often happens that when, you, when one reads in this way, Violet's brain made a little humming noise as she encountered each word, or each part of a word, that she did not know. So, inside of her head, the opening sentence of chapter 12 read, Hypnosis is a hmm yet hmm method of hmm and should not be hmmed by hmms. Although she could not tell exactly what that meant, she could guess. She could, I, it could mean she guessed to herself that hypnosis is a difficult method and should be not learned by amateurs. And the interesting thing that she was not too far off. The night grew later and later and Violet continued to read the chapter this way. She was surprised to learn that she could guess her way through the pages and pages of Dr. Orwell's book. This is not the way to, best way to read, of course, because you can make horribly wrong guesses, but it will do in cases of emergency. For several hours, the Lucky Smells library was completely quiet, except for the turning of pages as Violet read the book, searching for anything helpful. Every so often, she glanced at her sister, and for the first time in her life, Violet wished that Sunny were older than she was. When you're trying to figure out a difficult problem, such a problem as trying to get your brother unhypnotized so as not to be placed in your hands, and not to be placed in the hands of a greedy man disguised as a receptionist, it is often often helpful to discuss the problems with other people in order to come up with a quick and useful solution. Violet remembered that. When the Baudelaire orphans were living with Aunt Josephine, it had been extremely helpful to talk to Klaus about a note he had turned in, or that he turned out had to have, to have a secret hidden within it. But with Sunny, it was different. The youngest Baudelaire was charming and well-toothed. Oh my gosh, this is the longest chapter. And quite intelligent for a baby. But she was still a baby, and as Violet hummed through the chapter 12, she worried that she would fail to find a solution with the baby as a discussion, part, as a discussion partner. Nevertheless, when she found a sentence that appeared useful, she gave Sunny a walking nudge and read the sentence out loud. 
Listen to this, Sonny, she said when her sister opened her eyes. Once a subject has been hypnotized by a simple hmm word will make him or her perform whatever hmm acts any hmm wants hmmed. Hmm, Sonny said. There are words that I don't know, Violet explained. It is difficult to read this way, but I can guess what Dr. Orwell means. I think she means that once you're hypnotized by somebody, all you need to do is say a certain word and they will obey you. Remember when Klaus told us that he learned from the Encyclopedia of Hypnotica? There was that Egyptian king who did the chicken who did chicken imitations and the merchant who played the violin and that winter all of the hyp- all the hypnosis did or and that writer all the hypnosis did was say a word. But they were all different words. I wonder which word applies to Klaus. Heath, Sonny said, which probably meant something along the lines of, beats me, I'm only a baby. Violet gave her, her a gentle smile and tried to imagine that Klaus would have, what Klaus would have said if he had been there, unhypnotized, in the library with his sisters. I'll search for more information, she decided. Broel, Sonny said, which meant, and I'll go back to sleep. Both Baudelaire's were true to their word, and for the time in the library was silent again. Violet hummed through the book and grew more and more exhausted and worried. There were only a few hours left until the working day began, and she scared. And she was scared that her efforts would be ineffectual. The word here, ineffectual, here here means unable to get Klaus unhypnotized, as if she had low self-esteem. But just as she was about, just what what does that say? Just as she found a passage in the book that seemed so useful, she read it out loud immediately, waking Sunny up in the process. In order to hmm the hypnotic hold on the hmm, Violet said, the same method hmm is used. A hmm word uttered out loud will hmm the hmm immediately. I think Dr. Orville is talking about getting people unhypnotized and using it to do it with another word being uttered out loud. If we figure out that one out, we can unhypnotize Klaus and we won't fall into Shirley's clutches. Skell, Sunny said, rubbing her eyes, which probably meant something like, I wonder what word it could be. I don't... I don't know, said Violet, but we'd better figure it out before it's too late. Hmm, Sunny said, making a humming noise because she was thinking rather than because she was reading a word that she did not know. Hmm, Violet said, which meant she was thinking too. But then there was another hmm that made the Baudelaire sisters look another way. This was not the hmm of a brain that did not know the word what the word meant either, or the hmm of a person thinking. This hmm was much longer and louder, and it was a hmm that made the Baudelaire sisters stop thinking and hurry out of the library, clutching Dr. Orwell's book in their trembling hands. It was the hmm of a lumber mill saw. Somebody had turned on the lumber mill's deadliest machine in the early, early hours of the morning. Violet and Sunny hurried across the courtyard, which was quite dark, and in the first few rays of the sun... Hurriedly, they opened the doors of the mill and looked inside. Foreman Fluctuano was standing near the entrance with his back to the two girls, pointing a finger to give an order. The rusty saw machine was whirling away, making that dreadful humming sound, and there was a a log on the ground, all ready to be pushed into the saw. The log seemed to be covered in layers and layers of string. The string that had been inside the string machine before Klaus smashed it. 
The two sisters took a better look, stepping farther into the mill, and saw that the string was wrapped around something else, trying a large bundle for the log. And then, when they took an even better look, peeking inside from peeking from behind Foreman Fluctuano, they saw that the bundle was Charles. He was tied to the log with so much string that he looked like a, a bit like a cocoon, except that the cocoon had never looked this frightened. Layers of string were covering his mouth so he could not make a sound, but his eyes were uncovered and he was staring in terror at the saw that drew closer and closer. Yes, you little twerp, Foreman Fluctuano was saying, you've been fortunate so far avoiding my boy's clutches, but no more. One more accident and you'll be ours, and this will be the worst accident in the lust that the lumber mill has ever seen. Just imagine Sir's displeasure when he learns that his partner has been sliced into human boards. Now, you lucky man, go and push the log, push the log into the saw. Violet and Sonny took a few more steps near and forward and near enough so they could reach out and touch Foreman Fluctuano. Not that they wanted to do by such, such disgusting thing, of course, and saw their brother Klaus was standing at the controls of the saw saw machine in his bare feet and staring at Foreman Fluctuano with his wide blank eyes. Yes, sir, he said, and Charles' eyes grew wide with panic. That is freaky, and Peyton is asleep, but there's only two more chapters, so it can't be that bad, guys. Thank you, babe.